The point I want to drive home is that God has infinite attention for each one of us. You're as much alone with him as if you were the only thing he ever created. When Christ died, he died for you individually, just as much as if you'd been the only one in the world. Our real selves are waiting for us in him. Is it just me, or has our world gone just a bit crazy lately? It's crazy. And though I haven't heard anyone at least boldly identify the reason, I, I think the reason is obvious, and I think it needs to be spoken, and so here it is. People today, are so consumed with themselves that they can't see beyond themselves. And it's destroying us. They're so consumed with themselves that they can't recognize or care about the needs, concerns, ideas, or quality of the lives of other people. And as a result, in order to get what they so selfishly want, they will throw anyone and everyone under the bus with no thought of the destruction that it'll bring in the life of that individual and certainly no thought of the ultimate consequences to our world at large. And the consequence, the result is the messed up and crazy world we now find ourselves spiraling in and living in, a world nothing like the one God intended and a world nothing like the one that all of us as human beings ultimately long for. But it's not just about these other people doing this stuff. It's about us doing this stuff. I listen to my own self-talk and I certainly listen to the talk of those who are in my circle of, and sphere of influence and we just dogmatically talk about how all these other people are causing the problems. You know, it's true politically, these people, oh my gosh, these people, they're just really messing up our world. But I think we just need to acknowledge that it's not just true of others, it's true of us, and it's true of us in every sphere of our lives. It's true in our homes, in our marriages, and the way we treat our kids and our kids treat us, it's true in the marketplace, the way owners and executive leaders treat labor and labor treats executive leaders and owners, it's true in educational institutions, it's true, sadly, in our spiritual centers, places like this, people like me, it's true of. But I think what we have to understand, though our world has certainly spun in new and chaotic ways, this, this problem is not new. In fact, I think we just need to identify it. It's the single greatest flaw of the human experience. And Jesus himself, when he walked on this planet a couple of thousand years ago, addressed it straight on. In fact, 
Yeah, you can find it in Mark 10. You can read the whole chapter. I think it's, it's just a fascinating story. But his disciples, you know, he had 12. They were a mess just like we are. <laughs> but you'd think if anyone really got what Jesus was about, what Jesus was doing, it'd be those who gave up their lives and careers to follow him, right? Like these 12 did. They were close. They got to see him not just in public but in private. They got to walk with him and talk with him and share life with him. I mean, what an amazing privilege. But these guys carried the same flaw that we carry that's messing up our lives, families, and world today. John and James came to him in Mark 10, and, and they came to Jesus, imagine doing this, and they said, hey, we just want you to grant just one request. I say it quite consistently. Many of us are not seeking God for who God is. We seek God for the wishes he can grant us, and that's exactly what they're coming him to, to, him to do. They want him to be the genie in the bottle. So they come and say, we want you to do whatever we ask you to do for us. One wish. Didn't even ask for three. And he goes, what do you want me to do? I mean, can you imagine? Ugh. That's what he's saying. And they, they go, we want you to let one of us sit on your right hand and the other sit on the left. Just so you know, this is kingdom language. And what they were saying is, we want to be the greatest in the kingdom. Sit on your right and your left. You're the king. We're the kinglets. You know, that's kind of, it's a music group or something, but we want to be great. Well, the other ten found out that these two had asked the question, and they got ticked. The Bible says indignant, filled with anger. And you'd think it was because they knew it was so horrible that these guys were so selfish and obsessed with their own position. But that's not why they were ticked. They were ticked because they hadn't thought of asking for that first. They wanted to be the greatest. Everybody wanted to be the greatest. And so Jesus said, all right, time out. You've been following me and you just don't get it. You just don't get it. So let me tell you what following me is about. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, this is a way to say, you know those who have influence and authority and quote unquote success and greatness in the world without God, you know those people who don't know God who aren't following me, they use their position and their power and their prosperity and their influence to lord it over other people and their high officials, those who get high levels of power, exercise their authority, not for people, but over people. What they do with their authority when they don't know God and they're not living for him is they use it to serve themselves. They're obsessed with themselves. But Jesus gives these four words, not so with you. If you're going to follow me, if you're going to genuinely experience God's best in your life, if you're going to become all that God wants you to become, if you're going to live a life of fullness, then you can't be defined by this flaw. He said, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus himself, he's saying, didn't come to be served, but to serve. That's the greatest exercise in our lives to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't attack them for wanting to be great. Jesus didn't attack them for wanting to live lives of significance and meaning. He created us to long for lives of significance and meaning and impact. He attacked them because they were defining greatness in the wrong way and pursuing it in the wrong way. And that's exactly what's going on in our world today. That's exactly what's going on in our lives today. 
not so with you. One of the agonies of my life is that I still see this quality in me after all these years of following Jesus. And as I stand here as a pastor in one of Jesus' churches, it's an agony for me. One of the agonies for me is that it's not about all those people out there that we attack, but it's about all of us in here who still have this wiring, firing in all the wrong ways in our lives. When Jesus says, not so with you, it's got to get fixed. I want to identify the problem. I want to give you what God gives us as the solution, and then I want to give you the so what, the application, and talk about it. But this isn't going to be a long talk, but I think it's going to be a talk we need to think about for a long time because it goes to the core of our problems. The problem we have as human beings, the problem we have in our own individual journey is the same problem everyone else has. Most people miss God's best. I mean, we know there's got to be something more. We know this can't be all there is. We know this can't be what God intended. We see our lives from the inside out, filled with shadows and darkness and guilt and shame that shouldn't be there. And yet most people, though Jesus came to solve it, most people still miss God's best because they seek it through being served rather than through serving. We, want, we think we're going to find happiness and contentment and significance and fulfillment by reaching a level of influence and prosperity where other people will have to serve us and we won't have to serve others as if that will finally mean we've arrived. Wrong. The minute you seek happiness and fulfillment through being served is the minute you will never find what you long for and were created for. It's a problem we have. I have it, you have it. It plays into how we organize our marketplace settings. It plays into how we organize our family settings and live them out, our neighborhood settings. It, it plays into every aspect of our life. And you can follow Jesus closely like these guys did. You can know him better than anyone else in the world and still have it wrong. So here's the truth. Yeah, most people miss it because they're trying to get people to serve them instead of committing themselves to a life of total service like Jesus did. So the truth is we need to understand this. The life and the fulfillment that we long for, that God designed us for, God's best, are only experienced through serving. You can be in Jesus, and you can be following Jesus, and you can still not be experiencing the promise of life and fulfillment because you're still not living like him. The church is filled with people who are looking for the church to serve them. And they attend for a while and leave and go to another and attend for a while and leave and go to another, or they stay. And, and they're dissatisfied with the church experience because the church isn't serving all of their needs and making life all that it's supposed to be. Let me just tell you, the church isn't about serving us. It's about serving Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. That's who it's about. And that's where fulfillment will come in. Think about the discontentment and unrest in your life. Think about the, the dissonance that you have with life. And you go, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. Why is this true? It's because... This problem plagues us. True of me, true of you. So here's the application. Here's the so what that I want to share with you. It's like, if we're going to genuinely follow Jesus, not just appear to follow Jesus like the disciples were in this moment, if we're going to genuinely experience his promises, the promise of life and fullness, God's best, 
And here's what we need to do. We need to commit to serving in every sphere of our lives. We need to commit to serving in every sphere of our lives. A lot of people look at me and say, well, of course, you're supposed to serve. You were called to be a pastor, dude. I'm a lawyer. Everyone knows lawyers aren't supposed to serve. Except subpoenas, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know, I don't know where that came from, actually. My dad was a lawyer, that could be it. I don't care what your vocation, doesn't matter. Wherever you're at, in whatever setting, whatever sphere, the only way you'll find life and fullness and satisfaction and significance in that is by, in Jesus' name, committing yourself to serve. Not to get to serve, to give of yourself. If you're not serving, I just need to say this straight up, if you're not serving, you're going to miss out on God's best in your life. If you're not serving, something will always be missing in your life. And if you're not serving, you will always, always, always live in the haunting shadows of regret, which is where most people are. Look at our politicians. Aren't they trying to find something that they can't find? It's because they're going about everything the wrong way. Doesn't matter what side you're on. This whole thing about sides, both sides are made up of flawed human beings that need to focus on others instead of themselves. I mean, seriously. And that's what the Church of Jesus Christ should be. It shouldn't be a partisan exercise, as so many have sadly lowered themselves to. It should be a place that challenges people to stop focusing on what they've already valued before they found Jesus and start focusing on Jesus and valuing him. And then everything will change. It's the kind of place this place should be. So since serving is really the ultimate avenue through which in Jesus we will find fulfillment and his promises. I, I just thought I'd talk about it a little bit. But I've already given you the so what. Commit to serving. But if you're going to serve, you, you should know some things about it, right? Like I have found that very often in my own life, and it's true in yours as well from what I've seen and watching human behavior, we, even when we commit to serving, we generally serve for the wrong reasons. You know, we're we're trying to serve to the greatest minimum to still get God's maximum benefit. We serve in order to, to get the gold star. We serve in order to get the extra wish. We serve, and then when we get mad, I've been serving you and you're not answering my prayer. Let me rub that lamp a little more. That's just to be, I don't know where that voice came from, by the way. I, I have had a lot of espresso today. That could be it. But here's the thing. When you step into serving, you need to understand what you should be pursuing and what you shouldn't be pursuing, why you should be doing it and why you shouldn't be doing it. So let me give you the essential pursuit in serving. I mean, when you step into serving, make sure your expectations are set this way. When you step into serving, your essential pursuit, your focus should be on discovering and living out God's calling. It's about God's calling not your wants. Most environments recruit people to serve by playing to their wants. Oh, you want that? God will give you that if you serve. If you do that, oh, imagine, you might get a job and all those different things that aren't even true. 
The essential pursuit that you should be focused on when you step into serving should be God's calling on your life, that, that which God wants you to do in your life, that which God designed you uniquely for, created you for, that which will ultimately, when you're doing it, bring everything in your life into alignment so you can really have life and fullness. That's what you find in serving. There are two aspects I'd just kind of like to point out to you that you can take deeper, the two aspects of calling. The first is the general call, your general call. You have been generally called to serve God in certain ways. And when I say general, this is important because it means it's universally relevant. This isn't just for you, it's for all of us, for all human beings. This is the same for all of Jesus' followers. Uh, look at portions of his general call. I think this highlights the, the essential focus of it. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, must deny themselves, not serve themselves, not get other people serving them, not to make them the focus of their lives, to deny themselves and take up their cross. In other words, be willing to sacrifice their rights, lose what they should get in life in order to serve others, and in so doing, follow me. What's our general call? Not to promote ourselves, but to deny ourselves. Not to live only for our rights, but to sacrifice our rights in order to serve others, and in so doing, we're following Jesus. Because remember those four words in Mark? Not so with you. What else is our general call? Romans 8, 29, this is what God wants for us. It's what he created us for. For those God foreknew, he has also predestined, predetermined, that this would be what he called them to that they would be conformed to the image of Son. Those he predetermined to conform to his image Son, he has also called. That's what we're called to do. That's our mission in life. That's what we were designed for. And then he says, those he called, he also justified. When you start living out that call in Jesus' name, you start experiencing the rightness that God has put into you. That's what justification's about. And those he justified, he also glorified. Those are the people who experience the fullness of God's promise, who look like Jesus. And what's the call? And this is for all of us. To be like Jesus. And when those guys were like, hey, we want to sit on your right and your left. We haven't done anything to deserve it, but dude, we asked first. Dibs. We should want to be like Jesus who sacrificed all his rights and he had the right to everything as creator in order to serve others. Instead, we serve to get more rights to get more power, not to let it go. Are you like Jesus? I know you're in Northridge Church. That doesn't mean you're like Jesus. I'm the pastor of Northridge Church and I don't look a lot like Jesus most days. Look at Acts 1.8, but you will receive. When you're being like Jesus, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, you know, Jesus takes up residence in your life and here's what will happen. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria and the other ends of the earth. I mean, you will... You will be like me, and you will share me. That's what your life will be like, whether you're a lawyer, a teacher, a factory worker, a pastor, or a politician. Is this what you look like? In serving, like Jesus? Is that your pursuit, his call? Then it gets a little bit deeper. 
there's not just his general call, which is universally relevant for all of us. There's also his specific call. Did you know God has created each of and every one of us uniquely for something he's created no one else in the universe for? He has a specific call and design for our lives. This is individually relevant. True of me, not true of you in the same way. This is unique for each and every one of his followers. Like a snowflake, no two of us are the same. And I don't know about you, but I find such awe in that. God has wired me up in a way that he never wired up another human being in the world, and he did it so I could fulfill a specific function that he designed for me that would make the world a better place. And when I'm living out that purpose, I find life in fullness. Instead, you know what we do? Because we've misdefined greatness. We compete with each other for the few definitions of greatness in this world, and we miss out on what we were uniquely designed for. What a sad, sad story. When it comes to his specific call, look at what he talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. I'll just read a couple of verses from that chapter. There are different kinds of gifts. He wires us up with all these gifts and abilities. But it's the same Lord who gives all these different gifts. There are different kinds of working. In other words, there are all kinds of different working. But in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God who's at work. In other words, yeah, I'm created to do different stuff than you, and you're created to do different stuff from me, but it's the same God working in us. And if we do what he specifically called us to do, we find life in fullness. But too many of us are competing with each other. And he says, not, not each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, the giving of gifts, is given for the common good. It's not given to serve ourselves. He didn't give me these gifts so I could serve my own interests and get others serving me, but for the common good, to serve others. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them, each one, just as he determines. God has a general call for you to be self-denying, be like Jesus, and, and to share Jesus in this world. But he has a specific call for you. Something you're uniquely gifted and designed to do that no one else can do. And when you're in that place, you're like, I'm not rich. I'm not on the cover of People magazine. But I love my life. Now, how do you find God's specific call for your life? There's no one way. I mean, I listen to people talk about finding God's specific call, and it's like, sometimes it's this bad. You go eat Mexican food very, very late at night, and you'll have dreams where God will communicate it to you. That is gas-filled. Uh, <laughs> it's not true. There is no one way, but there are some consistent patterns. Do you want to find God's specific will for your life, his call on your life? Well, here are some of the patterns. God reveals his specific call to us when we're genuinely seeking him. If you're seeking stuff from him, you're not going to find his call. And that's where most of us are, right? I, come on, let's be honest. Most of us get up and go to church because we're seeking stuff from God you're not going to find his call on your life because you're not even trying to find him. You've got to be seeking him. You've got to be literally looking for and open to what he wants for you. A good example of this is Paul the Apostle. Acts 9.15, he, he, this guy was really messed up. Talk about self-pursuit. But then he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, it's called, and his whole life was turned upside down. And for the first time in his life, this proud and driven 
man was seeking God for the first time. And so he was able to finally find out, God was able to reveal to him his calling. He sent a guy named Ananias to him and he says, the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. He was, God revealed his specific call on Paul, Saul's life, because for the first time he was seeking him. Are you seeking him? God reveals his specific call to us when we're living out his general call. If I'm not living in self-denial and trying to serve others, if I'm not trying with my primary focus to be like Jesus, if I'm not trying to reflect Jesus in this world by the way I live and the way I share, why would he reveal then his specific call to my life? Why would he want me to find the place he created me for so that I could live in that place in the wrong way? He wouldn't do it. Many people never find what they were designed by God to do because they never surrender to be what God has created them to be. So you have to like be, be like Jesus, trying to be like Jesus and reflecting him, are you? God reveals his specific call to us, uh, what we were really designed for when we're faithfully serving where we're at right now. And I found as human beings, a lot of us refuse to serve until we get to the perfect place. It's like the guy, you know, you know, I've been without work for six years. I'm just waiting for the right job. Well, why don't you take any job? That will lead to the next job. God reveals his specific calling to those who are serving faithfully where they're at. This is what happened to Andrew and Peter and James and John, they were, they were faithfully following Jesus and listening to Jesus and applying his truth to their life as fishermen. You can be a fisherman, a lawyer, a teacher and be following Jesus, right? And that's what they were doing. And they were just faithfully serving him in that way. And you know what? He goes, you, I, I want you to stop being a fisherman physically and I want you to be a fisherman spiritually. They... They found out their specific call because they were serving where they were at. Are you? What are you waiting for? This is true of me. I had no idea what God wanted me to be in life, but when I found Jesus, I, I just wanted to be invested, so I started serving. I, I went to Ireland as a summer missionary, as a little teenage kid, an 18-year-old kid, and, and we were going to help uh, rebuild an orphanage, and we were going to ride around Southern Ireland and share Jesus. And I said, I'm in. And I started reading the Bible for the first time and telling people about Jesus for the first time and serving Jesus for the first time. And it was in serving where I was at that he started to reveal to me what I was designed and made for. If I hadn't served where I was at, I'd never have found it. Never. Are you serving where you're at to the best of your ability? So let me just give you the essential places for serving. I mean, well, okay, you want me to serve, God wants me to. I don't, I don't want you to serve. I want you to experience God's best. And you'll never experience God's best until you start serving. And so Northridge is a place that wants to provide an environment where you can become everything God's designed you to become. Not because of Northridge, but because you're 
experiencing what he wants you to experience. So what are the essential places for serving? Well, the first is obvious. He, he says it, at your church. And you know, we have thousands of people serving at Northridge, but we have five times as many at Northridge not serving. Are you kidding me? I'm here to take, and if one of your message sucks, I'm going down the street to the next church. Well, you left a long time ago then, because all of my messages suck in one way or another. You heard the gas comment a few seconds ago, right? We have to serve at our church. Look at what God says, Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We're supposed to serve each other. This is what the choir and or, aren't you glad these people serve? Aren't you glad our parking people or guest service people serve? Parents of young kids, aren't you glad for the people who serve in Ridge Kids so you can have some peace in this world for a couple of minutes? Serve. Another essential place, according to God, for serving is in your community, in your community. Some people only serve at church. What? 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 We should serve in our community. I mean, look what God says, Romans 15, 2, each of us should please our neighbors for their good. Each of us should be literally living to build them up. Where are you serving in your community in the name of Jesus? Do you know why the world doesn't believe Christians? It's because we talk a big game about love, but we never invest in anything that doesn't benefit us. It's crazy. Another essential place for serving? Around the world. If we only serve in places that benefit our environment, we're in trouble. If we only care about people who rub shoulders with us, that's a problem. We need to care about every single person Jesus died for and God created, which is why we reach out to Zambia and Nicaragua and India and these other places where we serve around the world. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to all creation. At Northridge, get my heart on this. I want nothing from you. I want everything for you. We want to always support you in experiencing God's best. So we've organized to help you serve God in all the essential places. Here at church, in your community, around the world. And all you have to do to find it is northridgechurch.com and then slash backslash volunteer. That's so all you have to do, hit it. It's so easy to find these things. And then when you hit it, you'll go to this page and it'll give you these places. You can serve at church on campus, serve in the community, serve around the world at all of our physical locations and you can take part. And I, I want you to remember why this is important. You'll never experience life in fullness until you're serving, are you? So the application is the same for every single one of us. You might feel like, oh, I'm further behind than Brad, or I'm further behind than this person over here. Well, you might be. But we all have the exact same action step because none of us are done with the journey, right? So you know what the action step in this thing of serving is? If you're saying, I serve enough. Really? So you and Jesus, we couldn't tell you apart. Ridiculous. I, I've, I've pastored a long time. A lot of people go, 
I've done enough. It's other people's turn. You've done, wouldn't that be great? Jesus spent a minute on the cross and said, that's it. Nails pop. I'm out. Lightning down. Kill them all. It's ridiculous. You've done enough. Yeah. I've been a pastor for almost four decades, and I haven't even come close. Done enough. Here's the action step. Take your next step. Aren't you tired of being where you were yesterday yet? Take your next step. Take your next step. Maybe you serve more than anyone else in this church. Time to take your next step because you're not even close to Jesus yet. I really challenge you, please spend time with God on this. And then for those of you, there are some of you here going, man, I'd love to know this Jesus. Oh, you can. He, he came for you. He lived the life that you failed to live. No guilt, no shame, which we carry. He never did. And then he paid the consequence for our guilt and our shame when he died on that cross. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And all you have to do is take your next step. And you know what your next step is? To embrace Jesus. To put your faith in him. To open your life. Won't you do it right now? Just before we end, would you bow with me in a word of prayer? And I hope everybody will be praying about their next step. But if you're ready to step into Jesus, just say, Jesus, I, I'm opening my life to you right now. I need you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and guilt, that you rose again to give me new life. So I'm confessing my sin and claiming by faith your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you took a step, would you tell us about it so that we can help you know what next steps you could take from now on? All you have to do is take out your phone and text to the number 313131 and text the message Northridge. We'll connect with you. Please let us know. Please don't do this alone. And don't forget, all week long you're going to be longing for life and fullness. Remember, you'll never experience it until you're serving others. Let's be people who serve. Then, the world won't be talking about Washington, D.C. The world will be talking about Northridge and Jesus, and that's when the light will shine. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. You're the science in the stars.